Welcome to Cookbook, where I, Rosemary Cottle, go through my whole cookbook collection, one book at a time. Today's book is The Color Book of Freezer Cookery by Mary Berry. And yes, the Mary Berry. Yes, that Mary Berry. For those of you who don't know who Mary Berry is, let me enlighten you. Mary Berry is well known in the culinary circle. She is a food writer. She is a chef, a baker, and a television presenter. And you wonder, huh, Mary Berry, that name sounds familiar. Well, I'll tell you. Mary Berry is, was also a judge on the Great British Bake Off and the Great British Baking Show. And for those of you who are very, very familiar with Netflix, that show is on Netflix. And she was replaced by Prue Leith later on in the seasons, Prue Leith. And another judge in that show is Paul Hollywood, which is another well-known chef and baker. So, she's kind of a big deal. <laughs> and she has made so many cookbooks throughout the years. And one of them is the book that we are going through today, The Book of Freezer Cookery. And let's look at the cover of this book. The cover of this book shows a freezer. And what's in the freezer? Food. <laughs> That's pretty much it. It just shows a freezer and food. It's like, yep, you came here for freezers and food. There you are. We got the bare minimum. And now, opening the book, there's the synopsis. And it says, all you need to know about freezing fresh food plus a wide selection of dishes to cook from the freezer. The recipes, which cover starters, main dishes, desserts, and baking, all have clear instructions for preparation, freezing, thawing, and serving. The opening chapters are crammed with charts and advice on freezing meat, vegetables, fruit, dairy, produce, and a host of useful standby foods. So it's basically your ultimate guide on how to cook stuff from the freezer and how to preserve them in the freezer properly. All right, so there's a few weights and measurements, and these weights and measurements all measurements in this book are based on imperial weights and measures with American equivalents given in parentheses. Because Mary Berry's British. <laughs> so, Mary Berry's British, but I guess this is the American version of the book, and they give the imperial measurements here. And weight measurements and volume are different, and the following table shows the equivalents, and there's the equivalence right there. And imperial, one teaspoon is one and a fourth teaspoons. One tablespoon is one and a fourth tablespoons. And 
One imperial pint is 20 fluid ounces. One American pint is 16 fluid ounces. And one American cup is 8 fluid ounces. And this book was published in 1977. So this is Mary Berry's, one of her older books. Like, and there are some pictures of her from back then and her children as well. And I gotta say, she aged pretty well. That woman aged really well. And now we're on the table of contents. So in the table of contents, they got weights and measurements. So there's more going into that. And the introduction of the book asking if a freezer is really necessary. A guide to how to use your freezer. And then talking about from fresh to frozen. So how to put fresh food from the grocery store into the freezer if you want to preserve it. And then you got your recipes. Getting off to a good start. The heart of the meal. A fine finish and straight from the oven. That's how that's how they made what the chapters are called. And the index. So there's a question of are freezers really necessary? And I'm pretty sure seeing this book in my hands right now, that might answer the question for you. I'll give you time. So why have a freezer? And it goes into the history of what early freezers were like. And it says that basically today the freezer has pretty much have been available to everybody. Especially today, since it's not the 70s anymore. But back then in the 70s, I think it being available in every household was a new thing at the time. But now, every time you go into a house... You know someone that has a freezer. You know someone who at least has a deep freeze. Like, everybody and their mother has a freezer now. So, there's no excuse of you not using it. It's right there. When you buy a house, a fridge and a freezer is already there. Like, you don't even have to buy one. Because the previous owners, they usually just leave it. So, freezing is a very quick and easy method of preserving food safely for several months. And also, it says that food may be bought when it is cheap. And a freezer cuts out waste. So, if you're living that, try to live that no waste life, a freezer can definitely help with that. And it just, it just goes in. It really goes in like, like it is specific. They even talk about types of freezers as well, like the upright freezer, the chest freezer. My grandparents have an upright freezer and a deep freeze, which is a chest freezer. And my parents have one of those freezers, my grandparents, I should say, has one of those freezers where it's side by side. And there are some freezers out there that are in the bottom of the refrigerator and it comes out like a drawer. Those I find pretty weird, but also pretty handy as well. I don't know why. I, I don't know. But the most common one that I've seen is the freezer being on top of the fridge part. Those are the most common ones that I have seen. 
So the intro just goes on, talks about quick freezing departments, and it says that she considers this essential. If the freezer is to be used to its fullest extent, it is a small compartment up to one-tenth the capacity of the whole freezer into which the food to be frozen can be placed so that it's separated from the frozen food already stored. Like, like she goes in, I'm telling you. And also, how to maintain a freezer. Like, maintenance. Like, how to, like, fix the freezer when it tears up on you. Where to put the freezer when things go wrong. Like, it's very specific. And also how to use your freezer properly. And packing food for the freezer. Like, wow, it goes in, I'm telling you. Packing materials. And then on the fresh to frozen chapter, like I said, when you get fresh food from the grocery store or wherever you get your food, is to how to store the food into your freezer properly so your food doesn't spoil while it's in the freezer, or the dreaded freezer burn. Like, it talks about that too. It even talks about thawing times, specifically for meat. And, yeah, specifically meat. And also a few vegetables. For example, like for beef and lamb joints, it says for to let it thaw five hours a pound if you it in the refrigerator and at room temperature it's two hours a pound but if it were me i would highly recommend to leave it in your fridge that's just to avoid like cross contamination and all of that because i've heard before if you just leave it at room temperature cross contamination people get sick that's the worst case scenario and also, for vegetables, for example, there's that shows the vegetable special tips, the preparation method to put the thing in the freezer, and the thawing and cooking methods. For example, for artichokes, it says to choose large chokes and to cut off stock and remove outer leaves, blanch a few at a time in plenty of boiling water. Tightly pack each in a polythene bag. Blanching time should be 6 minutes for small, 8 minutes for large, and a storage time that it will last in the freezer would be 12 months. That converts to a year. So you can store artichokes in the fridge for up to a year if you do this method. And it says, plunge frozen and boiling salted water for about five minutes until outer leaves can be removed easily and that's how you cook it when you get it out of the freezer and they have it for artichokes asparagus eggplants beans carrots cauliflower herbs yes that's right you could you could freeze herbs and etc like like there's a lot in here like, if you have a freezer, this book would be for you. Like, if you love to store your food in the freezer, this book is a huge help for those who are beginners at storing food in the freezer. 
And also, there is a picture of Mary Berry staring at her children. And she just cut up some rhubarb. And her kids are like, Mommy, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, Mommy just cut some rhubarb. I like, like, this is an old book. You could tell it's an old book because the way that the house is decorated. The way that the house is decorated is getting me. Because now, appetizer moment. Like, the way the house is decorated is something that you would see in the South. (laughs) But now houses are decorated to where everything is all black and white and sleek and all of that. And this is, like, giving me country kitchen vibes. And they also have some special tips, preparation methods of packing in the freezer. And how to use on fruits as well. So it's not just meats. It's not just vegetables. You also have a guide on freezing fruit. And how to prepare fruit. And they have a lot of fruit in here. There's uh, apples. Yeah. Apples, currants, gooseberries, oranges, peaches, pears, plums, rhubarbs, strawberries. Like, it's never ending. And then, now, on page 44, that's right, this introduction goes 44 pages. I'm telling you, it goes, it goes off. It goes off. It's very specific. And the recipes start on page 44 of this book. And this is a, this is a thin book. For a cookbook, it is a thin book. But... The amount of information that Mary puts in this book is undeniable. So, now we're finally on the recipe highlights. And this is a longer intro than I thought it would be. Like, recording it anyway. Editing it would make it slightly shorter. But as of recording this, this is a long intro. But anyway, now we're on... The recipe highlights. So I will be right back with that, my friends. Okay. Okay. We made it to the recipe highlights. The first recipe highlight is the French onion soup. And as you all know, I love my onions. And of course, this would be a highlight because. Why the heck not? So, this is a quick soup to make when you have fresh stock on hand. Alternatively, you could use stock from the freezer. This is what the book says. And now, what you'll need are two and a half tablespoons of oil, two tablespoons of butter, one pound of onions, peeled and finely chopped, a fourth cup of flour, four cups of stock, and they recommend chicken or any game stock, but I'm sure you can use any kind of stock for this, two teaspoons of tomato puree, salt, pepper, eight slices of French bread, lightly toasted, four to a half cup of cheddar cheese grated, and sprigs of parsley. All right, it is that time, 
my people. It is instruction time. I, I had to back the mic up for this one. <laughs> anyway, heat the oil in a pan, add the butter, then the onions, and fry until beginning to brown. Blend in the flour and cook gently until brown. Then add the stock, tomato puree, and seasoning. Bring to boiling point, stirring and simmer, covered for 30 to 40 minutes. To freeze, cool, turn into rigid container. Cover, label, and freeze. To thaw, turn the frozen soup into a pan and thaw slowly over low heat, stirring from time to time, or thaw at room temperature before reheating. To serve, sprinkle the slices of toasted bread or cheese, pour the soup into an oven-proof tureen, and arrange the slices of toast on top. Cook 425 degrees Fahrenheit until cheese has melted and it's just beginning to turn brown. Ladle the soup into individual bowls, floating the slices of toast on top of each bowl. Garnish with sprigs of parsley, and it says that this recipe serves six. Alright! The next recipe highlight is Ratatouille. Ratatouille is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, when I saw that Mary Berry had a recipe for ratatouille, I had to jump at the chance. So this is how you make ratatouille. What you'll need are two large green peppers seeded, two ounces or four tablespoons of butter, two medium onions coarsely sliced, two small eggplants in four-inch slices, a half pound of skinned tomatoes, quartered and seeded. Six and a four tablespoon of dry white wine, salt and pepper. Okay, once again, it is instruction time. I sounded like a telephone there. Okay. Cut the green peppers in half-inch strips. Heat the butter in a pan. Add the peppers and onions. Fry for about five minutes or until the onion is soft and a pale golden brown. Add the eggplants with tomatoes with the wine to the pan. Cook for five minutes. Add seasoning to taste. To freeze this, cool, turn into a polythene bag. Seal, label, and freeze. To thaw, thaw slowly in a non-stick pan over low heat or in the oven at 325 degrees for about 30 minutes. To serve, serve as a starter or as a vegetable with grills, broiled meat, and chops. So grills is basically broiled meat. That's basically what it means. The next recipe highlight is the bacon and onion quiche. Once again with the onion, I notice a pattern. <laughs> is it because you love onions, Rosemary? No. 
It's not that. I just like quiche. <laughs> anyway, what you'll need for this recipe are 4 ounces of pastry made short crust. And it has a recipe for that on page 78. But you can make your own short crust. And I'm pretty sure, knowing this society, you could buy short crust. If you don't feel like making your own. One small onion, finely chopped. One tablespoon of butter. Fourth pound of bacon, rinded and chopped. One egg. Salt and pepper. A two-third cup of single light cream. And two tomatoes, sliced. Now, it is instruction time, my dudes. Didn't feel like singing for that one. Okay. Use the pastry to line a 7-inch flan ring placed on a baking tray. What in the ding darn diddly dindom is a flan ring? I gotta look this up. This is gonna be an appetizer moment. Like, what is a flan ring? Is it like a... Is it like a bunt cake pan? Oh, it is a metal ring. It is literally a metal ring. What? Oh, okay. That makes sense. I might provide a picture. But you can look it up on Walmart or Amazon and buy it from there. You can probably go to the cooking section and find it, but... It's basically a springform pan, kind of, but not really. Chill in a refrigerator for 10 minutes, then blind bake 425 degrees for 15 minutes. Now, it is important to par-bake your pie crust because we don't want a soggy bottom. Soggy bottom is the baker's worst enemy, among other things, but yeah, soggy bottom. like. I have learned a lot from the Great British Baking Show, dude. A soggy bottom is like one of the worst things that you could do in that show. <laughs> like, I, I love the show, man. And you see a baker work so hard, and they come out with a great-looking pie. It tastes awesome, but the soggy bottom, man. It's like so close. Anyway. Back on to the main course. Yes, please, please par-bake your pie crust. But yeah, you bake that blind 425 degrees for 15 minutes. Alright, fry the onion and butter until soft but not colored. So we're not going for a caramelized onion here. Add the onion and fry until golden brown. Blend together the egg, seasoning, and cream. Remove the baking beans and greaseproof paper or foil from flan case. This is part of the blind baking process. They use the baking beans to hold the crust down. It, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Just just look up how to blind bake or par bake bake a pie crust. You'll see what I'm talking about. People use like these pie marbles that you put in. Some people use beans. Some people use rice. But it's more, it's better if you use like a bean or ball shape for this. It, it's like 
it's baking marbles, pretty much. Baking marbles. Put the bacon and onion in the flan case. Strain the egg mixture on top. Arrange tomato slices around the edge. Cook at 350 degrees for 35 minutes or until filling is set. To freeze this, you cool, pack in polythene bag, seal, label, and freeze. To thaw, cook at 350 degrees for about 30 minutes. To serve, serve hot with a green salad. And this recipe also has some variations. It says instead of bacon and onion, it says you could use a cup of grated cheese, prawns, and chopped chives. This recipe serves four. Okay. The next recipe is beef stroganoff. I tell you what, I grew up with hamburger helpers beef stroganoff. Now that is some stuff right there. That is some stuff right there. But homemade is better, and I want, I would love to create a homemade stroganoff because I always make it from the box, and I want to make it homemade because I know that homemade is usually better. I don't know, something to try out. So this is a recipe highlight for me because, I mean, it's good to try out. I like trying out new foods and trying out new techniques and all of that. So for this beef stroganoff, you would need a one and a half pound fillet or rump steak, five tablespoons of butter, one large onion chopped, one cup of small mushrooms sliced, two tomatoes skinned, pipped, and chopped, one and a fourth tablespoons of oil, two five ounce cartons or one and a fourth cups of sour cream, salt, and pepper. And now it is instruction time! Okay, so cut the steaks in strips about two inches long or half inch wide and fourth inch thick. Melt one ounce, two tablespoons of butter in a pan, add the onion and fry until soft. Remove from the pan and add one tablespoon of butter into the pan with the mushrooms. Cook for two minutes. Then add the tomato and cook for a further two minutes. Heat the mushrooms and tomatoes from the pan and add to the onion. Heat the remaining butter in the pan with the oil. Add half of the steak and fry for about four minutes or until just cooked. Remove from the pan, then repeat with the remaining steak. And it says, to freeze, put the vegetables in steak in a rigid container, cover, label, and freeze. To thaw, put the steak mixture in a pan and reheat over low heat until piping hot. Add sour cream, add seasoning, just Bring just to a simmering point. And it says to serve, just serve hot. And this recipe serves four. Okay! I think, I think we got one more recipe highlight in us. And this one's a dessert! I mean, we gotta end with a dessert. I mean, come on now. So, 
This is a recipe for strawberry cheesecake, and that is on page 75. Now, cheesecake is one of my favorite desserts of all time. I would say it competes with pudding in my eyes, because I also love pudding, and I also love mousse. And I love that more than cheesecake. But cheesecake is up there. So, this is a strawberry cheesecake. So what you'll need for this is ingredients for a crumb crust, the filling, and that's it. And also for decoration as well. So, for the crumb crust, you would need a heaping cup of digestive biscuits or graham crackers, crushed. And two tablespoons of demerara sugar. Now, what in the world is demerara sugar? What? Is this a British term? I'm going to look it up. Okay. According to the spruceeats.com, demerara sugar or demerara is a type of raw cane sugar with a large green crunchy texture and pale brown color. So it's basically a lighter brown sugar. And this article that I see on the Spruce Eats website does have like a substitute, like substitutes for this type of sugar if you can't find it. And a good substitute for that are turbinado sugar, light brown sugar, irregular granulated sugar, and sanding sugar. So, if you don't have demerara sugar on hand, just use light brown sugar or regular granulated sugar. Anyway, back to the main course. The ingredients for the filling are one and a half cups of rich cream cheese, two-thirds cup of single light cream, five teaspoons of powdered gelatin, and five tablespoons of cold water. And for decoration, you would need a fourth pound of strawberries halved and frozen, and four tablespoons of butter melted. And you also need finely grated rind and juice of two large lemons, three eggs separated, four ounces of castor sugar, which is a super fine sugar, and Okay, so on allrecipes.com, castor sugar is a type of fine granulated sugar that's widely available in the United Kingdom. It's not as common in the United States. So, it's a super fine sugar, and it says that the texture is somewhere between regular granulated sugar and confectioner sugar. So, it's mostly used for meringues and souffles, according to all recipes. And substitutes are... It says that granulated sugar will work just fine as a castor sugar alternative. And it says to substitute on a one-to-one -one ratio. And it says if your recipe calls for a cup of castor sugar, use a cup of granulated sugar. And for this recipe, it calls... Let's see, it calls for, it calls for a half cup of castor sugar. So I would assume if you put a half cup of granulated sugar, it would work. And I think I have seen one source 
that says that you can pulse uh, granulated sugar into a blender in fine crystals, but not super fine. It's not, we don't want an icing sugar kind of deal, but it's still fine enough, you know? But anyway, back onto the main course. After the caster sugar, it also asks for two-thirds cup of double heavy cream, lightly whipped. So, for the last time, it is... Instruction time! Okay! It says, lightly butter an 8-inch in diameter loose bottom cake pan or springform tin. Blend together all the ingredients from the crumb crust and press into the base of the tin. Chill until firm. And reminder, that is your graham crackers or your digestive biscuits and your sugar. For your filling, blend together the cream cheese and thin cream. Dissolve the gelatin with the water in a bowl placed over a pan of simmering water. Place the lemon rind and juice, egg yolks, and sugar in a bowl and whisk over a pan of simmering water until thick and foamy. Remove the bowl from the heat and continue to whisk the mixture until cool. Blend together the egg yolk mixture, gelatin, and cream cheese mixture. When thick, but not set, fold in the whisked egg whites and thick cream, reserving two tablespoons of decoration if liked. Turn the mixture into the cake tin. And it says to freeze this. Cover with foil and freeze until firm, then remove from tin, wrap in foil, label, and return to freezer. To thaw, unwrap, and place on a serving dish. Thaw in a refrigerator overnight or at room temperature for 8 hours. To serve, decorate with cream, if used, and strawberries. And it says see picture on page 13, 30 minutes before serving. But hey. It's a cheesecake. You could decorate it any way you want, honey. I'm not gonna judge. Anyway, that's it for today's book. Next week's book is going to be Seasoned with Love, Nazarene Cuisine. Alright, that's it for today. And now, a happy holidays to all of you. Once this episode comes out, it would be Christmas Eve. So, happy Christmas Eve to all of you. And Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, have a grand old time. Happy holidays to all. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for taking your holiday time, some of your holiday time to listen to me. That is greatly appreciated. Now that is the best present a girl could ever ask for. Anyway, now it's time for the outro. Roll it! Want to show your cooking skills? Want me to look at what cookbooks interest you? Want to chat? Or you just want to be updated on the podcast? Search and follow the podcast on Facebook. It is called Cookbook Podcast. Or you could click the link in the show notes. Or you can email me at cookbookpod at gmail.com. That is C-O-O-K-L-O-O-K. 
pod at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm Rosemary Cottle, and my username is at cooklookpod on Twitter. You can also listen to this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out Monday and Friday. Monday is Magazine Monday, and Friday are your regular cookbook cookbook episodes. Thank you for listening. Bye!